0: break between the wedding last weekend of our youngest daughter at Lindsay in Seattle, and then we fly to Los Angeles to be we to speak with you next week there. And we wanted to come see Jim's mother and uh, inspire her and then take advantage of being able to be here as well. So it's great to be here. Uh, when I was growing up in church, which was a really good experience, I, I enjoyed church, but not every service was what you would say, put out of the ballpark. So as a teenager, when I was bored or didn't understand what was happening, I would let my mind wander, and I would think about the songs that were sung in the service day, Or I'd be flipping through the hymnal, looking at the songs, and I would try kind to of think, what is the biblical reference for this song? And it was surprising how many songs that we sang in the church I grew up with that had no biblical reference, but they sure did sound good. And then when I was older, we were attending the church for a while, and they would sing a song, and it had a, a part of the song that would say this Whose report will you believe? We will repeat, we will believe the report of the Lord. And that song would, you know, after you're in church, Sunday, it would play throughout my mind the next week. And so I thought, I wonder what scripture that comes from. And I Googled it, which, you know, everything on Google is (laughs) true. I Googled, what's the scripture reference for whose report will you believe? And there is no scripture for it. But it sounds scriptural, doesn't it? And I, I'm assuming it's taken from the story of Joshua and Caleb. when they came back, you know, and they gave a report that was different from the other But when I woke up this morning, I was thinking about our time being with you here today, and I thought if I could leave you, and I started to say a Christmas wish, that so, in God we don't wish, we hope and we bless and we give. And we don't live. But if I could give you something today, it would be this. So this is what I want to leave with you. I in thinking about the character of God and what we hear that goes through our ears, whether it's through reports from friends or through reports on the media. Whose report will we believe? And I I wrote a definition myself. I think it sounds pretty good, and you might think that it sounds true as well. I thought, reality is what God says about a person, place, or situation. And I always try to say to myself, Judy, what is God's reality over this person, over this place, over this situation? Because that's reality. And he doesn't deny issues in speaking of under the carpet, nor is he hyper positive without thinking of the realistic issues that are at play within a person's life, or a place, or a nation, or situation. But if I could bless you with something today, may it be that your palm line is, "What does God have to say about a person, a place, or a situation?" May that be your perspective. And uh, we live in the worst of times, I think, mean, but we also live in the best of times. And uh, as you walk through Christmas season and the family dynamics and, and perhaps challenges you're facing, but also the great intimacy that this season brings, may that be your perspective. What does God have to say about this person who's faced with this community? May it be your reality. Colossians 2.17 says, However, reality is found in us." And may your reality be grounded in His character. And what He has to say. We thank you so much for your great generosity to um, I said this before when we were here I mean, a couple years ago. You've watched us grow up. And we've watched some of you grow up as well. And it's just such a privilege to have the relationship that we have with you. We just so honored to be attached to you as a church. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. Good morning, everyone. As we were driving through the fire this morning, uh, we found ourselves, we were praying and uh, we said, Lord, get rid of that fog that sometimes keeps us from that in true uh, that was this morning was along that line. What a blessing to be in my video. I think small towns rock. I grew up in one, population 500. Uh, I think being older rocks. I am want to give a shout out to everyone who's over 25. It's quite a few this morning. I, if I knew how amazing it, it is, uh, I would have gotten older quicker. You know, people take you serious. You, you, you just say a few things, and they take notes, and they go and do it, and it's like, where did that come from? And then you, you get to know who you are, and you stop trying to impress people it does work. And uh, you know your strengths and your weaknesses. You learn how to say no. You know who you are. And you're living closer to the judgment seat of God. So at first you see, it seems just a little bit closer but so every day, I'm thinking, God, oh, was every word today something that would bless and edify others? Because I'm going to give them a pass if that doesn't feel Christ me telling us it. I don't want to tell a joke if it's not helpful. I mean, it's, huge, it's good to tell jokes because you've be the credit. You know, I'm at, at the end of the day, to say, I think I was pleasing to God. I think I took initiative to reach out and care for and bless... I have faith, I think God's happy. Oh my goodness, I never thought I would get to this stage where I didn't have a regret at the end of the So, being old God and you, the older you get, the more you have to bless others with. I think we just need to learn to connect the generations together, which is really what we do in live We get a bunch of jealous young people who just are willing to do everything, and a little wild and crazy, and well decorated sometimes and you get them all and then you bring in some older wiser people and you blend the gear of you with wisdom and strategy of a generation that has been there for a while and the result is usually pretty good and I'm so grateful that God called us he tried to leave well in many times and uh, he just keeps saying you're there not for you you're there for that." And if you were born to what he's raising up, and he's raising up amazing people. One of a crazy, you we get them. You know, uh, happens in every church and family, I'm sorry to say, but you know, yeah, probably. We're But, also, but uh, we're so grateful. So we're, we're seeing an increase in Kona, where we live. Kona, Hawaii, someone has to live there, although it seems like we're living out of good cases tomorrow these days in Kona. But we're seeing fresh zeal for God, fresh hunger from all generations, from around the world, um, fresh business coming out of young people. I I have any prophetic people here in the crowd today. Do you have a box here in my video? No. Hope it's coming. I prophesy, I think. I don't know. I was at the class at in Los Angeles two months ago, and someone introduced me to a young lady and she said, she's certified as the most fit woman in America. I said, oh, I didn't I just met the most physically fit woman. She didn't have, that was interesting. But uh, there's, a, well, well, there's a reason i say saying that. Um, a bunch of our young fans on our campus be- got interested in, well, not just fitness, but the CrossFit drive. And uh, if you don't know what it is, it's, uh, it's a business, copyrighted, that has uh, become quite a craze all over the earth. where you come and you do different exercises, but you kind of do it in team, and you pay money, and you certified trainers, and uh, it's the thing. Uh, I thing. Google it if you want to learn more about it. I don't do CrossFit myself. But some of our young friends have taught from the Lord to do that on our campus. So we have a box, and every day they exercise. But they build communities and teams, And they've been reaching out to other crossfit gyms on our island. But uh, recently we've had, you know, we're going with all the world all the time, and some of our friends in places like Bhutan and Oman and Saudi Arabia have come back and said, you know, they're saying they will hire us and give us a visa to work there as missionaries if we have a certificate to train in practice. So we're running one of our deep discipleship training schools at in January. It's a few things combined, and there's a fitness chat where people, if they want, can get a genuine certificate from the leadership of the CrossFit Corporation to be trainers, and then they should be sent and paid to create community and train people in parts of the world where it's difficult to get to. Isn't that amazing? And that vision did not come from an old founder. Well, I we, we love wanting going down He's 80 now, and he's full of vision for all kinds of things. We're so blessed to be able to work with them. But that came from a young leader. And we prayed, and then we brought in some lawyers. We have two white-owned lawyers on staff who New lawyers. God, they asked the hard questions, and they're glad they did that. and They figured out how to do it. And there are new ways to bring the gospel to new groups of people, and God has not run out of creativity. He's not gotten tired, and He is jealous to visit with His people from every place, in every part of the earth. From the small islands where we have teams taking sailing boats to Remote islands of uh, Micronesia and Palau and places like that and cities, and I'm just thrilled that God is on the march. He is raising up the temperature, and there might be a foggy day or two, but the fog takes out and you see early. And uh, we're we're just grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for the people in this church, and I'm grateful for the leadership. I was asking yesterday, uh, Bruce, about how he and Athena are. I've been showing up here in different seasons in the church life. You know, you, you, life is like that. You have exciting times and you have losing seasons, like in a team or something. And I think one of the most important things is just to and safe, just is And sometimes it's exciting and you love those times, other times it's just under the show up A good friend is someone who just keeps showing no matter what. And I really honor priest and, and those others in the leadership team for showing up and believing God that he's going to come and visit and do something again and again in the lives of so many families. So, what a blessing it is. Okay. Judy said we just come in and uh, a week ago yesterday our youngest daughter who's 31, we thought she would never find love again. She, she almost got engaged once and called it off and, You she thought it was the end of the world. She she was 31, but she found a young man she'd met when they were both 17 with a year camp in England. He's British. His name is James Adams. So she has married him to the Adams family. (laughs) Now, we've learned as a Dutch children, the rules are different. You kind of, you're available, but you don't want to, you know, come, metal too much, so we, didn't. we met James, we fell in love with him. And so, uh, she, she didn't want really to have a big wedding. So last Saturday we had 12 people beside Lake Union there in Seattle, and James did ask if I would appreciate you know, and they did their vows, exchanged rings, and the, the Adams family and our family prayed and asked God's blessing on them, and then we went to a restaurant, and I got off easy. You know, 12 people in a restaurant, even I kind of like what just done. Um, but what a blessing to see our youngest, you know, And she came back and she left again. She lived with us for a couple of years, which is a real blessing. And they little, live in Seattle, as well as our other daughter, Brooke, who's still a teacher, she's a publisher. with our one granddaughter, Avon. I know it's a miracle we're not old enough to have grandkids. But she doesn't call me Grandpa, she calls me Chief, and she calls a TV man. And we are so delighted with this little child, and we just get to do things with her, you know? She expects, I bought it in, I don't know, a new or something, and she said, to my mom, somebody got me this clothes. I don't know what she wanted. But I love to tell stories to at night, you know? Chief, tell me another story, okay, you know? And her eyes are just looking, and people ask me once in a while, what would you do differently as? You know, i said, well, it's not quite over yet, but, you know, I've been around a while. I know that they're asking, and I, I think I take a little bit of care of my body in certain ways, you know, which I knew then, but I knew now. And then uh, I think i know, we could have done the same, worked with the same group, married the same girl. Um, things would be pretty much the same, but I would have learned to tell differently at a younger age because Stories, connect with people. Stories. I mean, that's what Jesus did, That's what the Bible is. We're going to look at the stories in the Old Testament today. A good story. And I encourage you to learn to be good storytellers. Because stories are authentic. No one can argue with your story. Right? Read good books and good storytellers. And uh, tell stories to others. When I teach right now, I will start with story. I'm not a Here's ten times today. I do open the Bible, but uh, if you start with a story people remember, and then you connect, right? Okay, story I want to give from the Word of God today is about a man named Naaman. You know this guy, he was a Syrian. Yes, from a. Not a Jew from that part of the world, though. And that, that you, you probably know the story. Jesus mentioned it once in his teaching, and he got in trouble because he said there were many people with leprosy in Israel who were Jews. But who was he sent to touch Naaman, the Syrians, wanted to kill Jesus because they were little, uh, what was the word, nationalistic. They didn't like the fact that God also loved others. But Jesus kept naming that up. Different times So Jesus referred to this man, and the story is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And we'll just read a few verses and reflect on it because I believe out of this, God wants to just something want to ask But before I leave that, right here, uh, I want to tell you a little short story from something I experienced this summer. We were praying about what to do, and long story short, we stayed in, at, at our campus in Kona helping in leadership this summer, and uh, I went to Germany to see There was an event in Nuremberg, 70 years at the end of the war, called Awakening Europe. Maybe didn't want to hear about it? Or... It was planned last minute, and people found out through social media. It was led by an Australian named Ben Armstrong, and an uh, American evangelist named Todd White, who's got red locks. Right, I, you know, so I, 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 I turned up, and then I thought, why did I come to this event? There were about 25,000 Europeans here the four and a half days at Outdoor Stadium in New I thought, I am hungry to see God come and awaken people in Europe, that I am bringing my hunger to join the hunger of the others in the crowd because God responds to hunger. We talk about that of the story, mainly. But the first night in the stadium, the two leaders were down on their knees, and they spent, I don't see about an hour just in worship and prayer like this. And I don't know if I've ever been in a meeting where they on a big stage, the two leaders are on their knees for most of the time. And they introduced a few people and said how, how that had come about. But I have never seen in my life, and we've lived in Europe for 25 years, such hunger to see God. I saw a huge section of pastors and spiritual leaders. One day they uh, watched feeders from the pastors spiritual mothers and fathers that had come all over Europe. But as they were there, I thought, This is interesting. What is different? And I thought, Here are pastors submitting to the gifts of two evangelists. Because normally pastors don't know what to do with the really, trust me, God. I see And yet, there was such a hunger to see God not only protect the church as it was, but to see the church grow and break out and expand and see something happen in Europe. That these pastors, that the hunger in their hearts trumped the national pride, that they came and submitted to the gift of the Holy and especially American. I mean, she it was a bus. A young lady from Denmark, I've heard about it, like, on social media and said to some of her friends, Let's go down and accept God to meet with us. And she went, about 50 young Danes came down and they were camping near the stadium. They were hungry. Do you know that God is a God who responds to hunger? He does. And I believe there's a word for that this morning and as I left after four and a half days of worship and people running to be saved and an outreach there was an impartation of faith for evangelism in a fresh way. Something happened in the spirit, and I was so grateful to be just a part of it the summer. Now Newman, this is the 2nd chapter five, was a commander of the army of the king of Adam. He was a great man and a his master, highly regarded. He was a valiant soldier, but he had left In these old Christian times, two most important people in any nation were the king and his commander of the army. I mean, that was those were the most important ones, literally, at the time. Now. A young girl from Israel had been taken captive. She was like a forced refugee or a Catholic whatever, but as a servant in his house. She was working for his wife, and she saw this man had left his field. She just said one day to her, her master, the wife If only Naaman would come to my hometown today, we have a named the sure. He would get healed of his likeness. So he just blurts that out to her mistress and he mentions it to him. And do you know what Naaman does? He takes the because he's hungry to get cleansed. If there's any hope, if there's a fear t- down there, even if it's in that other kingdom, I am gonna go and I am going to see if I can get healed of this thing because I have hope, I have hunger, and it trumps his pride. It trumps everything else. And so, the king says, you can go and I'll send you some people to go with you. And he takes uh, a letter and he goes and he goes to the king there in Israel. And the king says, who am I that I can heal someone? Tell this man to go home. a little but Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel was aged torn his robes. He sent him this message and said, Why did you tear your robes? Have this man, Naaman, come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So, the word comes, and finally Nathan and his horses and chariots and the whole crew come, and they stop at the door to Elisha's house. He's hoping that God can meet him in his need. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. "Go walk seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Naaman didn't like that answer. Have you ever been disappointed with God or some of these people? If you haven't, trust me, it's coming. We have expectations. What did Naaman say? He went away angry. He said, get this thing. I came to the man's house. He didn't even come out and greet me. I'm an important guy. He just sent some messenger with a little sticky note saying, go watch seven times. I thought, and this is what he said, I thought he would surely at least come out of his house and he would stand and call on the name of God, lay his hand over the spot and cure me of my life. God, did not show up the way I was expected. His expectations were not fulfilled, and he turned around in a house and he said, I am going home to get this thing. He defended because God did not meet him in the way he thought God did. You ever been there? I think maturity is how quickly you bounce back when your expectations are not fulfilled and you regain perspective. How long does it take you? Man, well, it used to take me a long time. Some people never get over it. they disappointment at the unfulfilled expectations. But a mature person will bounce back and say, I don't understand, but I am not coming back. He said the rivers in Damascus where I come from are better and I could wash in them and why did he send a messenger? He just sended me so he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult and great, wouldn't you have peace? Please, hold on. Don't go home yet. Go and at least try to get lost in that river and don't miss the miracle. So Naaman. Went down, dipped himself in, in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was swept with joy, and became clean like that in a one And then his attendants went with him back to the man of God and thanked him and said, Please take a gift. And he said, No, I won't take a gift. And he returned. And uh, that's the end of that amazing story. Now, why would I tell you that story? because I think we see in man's life a few principles that we can apply. Number one, here was a man who heard about something and he said, I have hunger enough to believe that if I go, maybe God will meet me. And he went and he got his miracle. He almost missed it. Almost. How many of us have fallen short of receiving something from God because it didn't come in the right way to the right person or in the right time and we turned off and we stormed off in a house. And then there's the little seven girl. We don't even know her name. It's like the 10 spies. How many of you named your kids after not Caleb and Joshua? It's probably Caleb and Joshua to have. What were the names of the other 10? I don't know. You're in the Bible. Yeah. You get the point. But, uh, here, this servant girl that we don't even know, she raised her voice and she said, I am you didn't could, you could connect on social media. Ask some people, connect. Someone mentioned following us on Facebook and I like to tweet most days. It's just my name, Jim Lord. It's a Twitter if you like to follow that. But, uh, He connected, he knew about this guy. He had this connection and he said to her, My if you would come to some man, how many of you would love another person enough to say, If you would do this, maybe God would do this? God honored the faith of this young, unknown girl. And then think about his servant. When he got upset and turned and he was disappointed and he was going home servant stop him and said, I said, excuse me, if I can speak to you, please don't miss your miracle. I know you're upset, but give it a try. You've come all this way. We don't know the name of that servant, but how many of you would say to some of your friends, there's hope. Let's, Let's go back together. Let's not give up. Spiritual hunger is such an amazing thing. Spiritual hunger will stop you from missing a miracle if you press on and don't give the and don't stop. Spiritual hunger will cause you to ask things that you would have normally never asked. Elijah himself. I don't know if you remember his story. He was Elijah's servant. And at the end of Elijah's life, he turned to Elijah and said, do you have any new request? One last request. What would you like? What if God said to you, what do you want? That's what Elijah just said to Elijah. And he thought a minute and he said, I want twice the power that you have. Oh, he you said, you'd ask that But if you stick with me, you will be You know what? There are people in here that you want to ask God for things. There are things God wants you to release. Jesus said to his disciples, you've never, you've never asked until now am out you ask the Father and he will give you whatever you ask, so I will be glorified. I believe there are people who hear that God wants you to ask things that you've not asked. Because spiritual hunger will say, I want something. I will ask for something. It will cause you to pray things and cause prayers to be answered that you will not get. If Moses was another man who was bicultural. You know, he was Jewish, but he was raised in the princess, in the, in the, in the royal house called Pharaoh. And I think he could have gone either way. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11, about Moses. That when he'd grown up, he decided he was not going to be known as Pharaoh's father, which he could have been. And if that was you or me, I think I would have... Who would want to be grown up in a palace and have all the riches and all that would come with that? But he chose, in Hebrews 11, verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy of sin for a short time, he regarded the grace to the sacred cross as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking for the reward. When he saw that burning bush later, many, many years later out in the desert, he turned aside and he made a choice. He said, I want this call he had a hunger to be involved with God's purposes even though at the time it did not look good he turned his back on what he could have had, and he said my hunger for God is saying I want I will lead your people I will identify with this nation of slaves because of hunger hunger trumps pride spiritual hunger will take you places It will bring the call of God onto your life. And God sees whether you're 10 years old or 15 years old, whether you're in a family that knows Jesus or not. God will respond and He will divinely lead you and bring you places that you never thought you would go if there is a hunger in your life, I believe God wants to underline that this morning. That's why I said, how did I end up in such and such a place I and I thought, God saw growing up in Spiker, in a small town just praying and believing and responding and saying, God, would you find a place for me? Would you give me training? Would you do something for me? I look back and I think, wow, God saw that and He responded. And he heard those prayers and over the years. He has allowed us to be involved with that, with so answers to some of those prayers. And we're still, I'm asking for more. So we're heading off in a few weeks back to Europe to teach for a week and the place where we met each other 40 years ago, and then uh, off to Tajikistan for a week, and then India for a week, and then some other things. And I'm thinking, why would you enjoy living out of a suitcase for four to five weeks at a time? it's like there is something God is raising up, and I think He wants us to be a part of it. It is a total joy. And I, when I meet with young leaders, I, I, I tell them, cultivate spiritual hunger. You can call it passion. You can call it fire. You can call it whatever you want. But if you are hungry, it's like when you build trees in the desert. It starts to change the time. It draws in clouds, it begins to rain. I think, corporately, when we have hunger together to God to show up, He sees it. He hears, He comes, He does things. He does that personally. He does that corporately. So i just like to close this morning by saying, yes, i am sorry. And we, I'm sorry, we do have to leave about 11 to get to the airport to get out to Los Angeles have to teach next week, or we would stay longer. But uh, I'd like to just pray, Pastor Bruce. Can I do that? A greater hunger and a way to tap into the hunger that is in our hearts that will take us places normally we would never go. Lord, I bless you, congregation. I thank you that you see hearts. We we can't see beyond the skin; we just see the outward appearance sometimes. But you are a God who sees, and you place seeds. And you watch and you water those seeds. And I pray that this congregation will be known as a group of people that are hungry to see God show up in their generation. Whatever it looks like, wherever it comes from, it doesn't matter because we are looking for you. We are hungry that a new generation in this part of, of Minnesota would see something of the goodness of God in our days. We are hungry to see things that we've read about in other places, Lord. We say, why not here? Why not in our day? Lord, hear us. Don't wait for just another generation. But Lord, in our day, would you come and tear the heavens and visit us as families and as individuals and as a church. Blessed church. In Jesus' name, amen.